restaurant, exit through the front door. I kind of caught her out of the corner of my eye, and I went chasing her down the street, and I caught her. And we ate lunch together that day, and it was the beginning of something. You see, I was in the right place at the right time. Now, can you think of times in your life, situations in your life, where you were in the right place at the right time? Now, it takes hindsight, doesn't it? Because, I mean, there are lots of times when you didn't want to be there, you didn't think you were in the right place, you wished you were someplace else, you felt completely lost maybe at the time, but later you look back and you said, you know what, I was in the right place at the right time. Well, maybe it's your own story of how you met your spouse or the person you're dating, where you look back and you say, yeah, I was in the right place at the right time. Maybe a job happened because you met somebody, seemingly randomly, you met them, and they invited you to apply for a job that you knew nothing about, and you ended up being in the right place at the right time. Or maybe it was someone um, who became one of your best friends and you met them at the grocery store or at Starbucks and it ended up being the right place at the right time. Or you found a place to live because you knew someone who knew someone who knew somebody else who was selling their house or needed a roommate and you just happened to be in the right place at the right time. Well, Malcolm Gladwell has written a book called Outliers, and he tells kind of the story framework of many significant people who have had great success in life, yet there are all kinds of circumstances beyond their control that had an impact on them becoming successful, them having opportunities for their success. And he talks about Steve Jobs, and he talks about Bill Gates, where all these random things happened and became a part of of their success story. But today, I think it's important for us because to talk about, uh, to take a step be, behind that. Because isn't there something greater than chance in our lives? I mean, it's not just things that happen or coincidence. We believe that God is involved in many of these seemingly random circumstances and details. And here's the question. I don't know what's going on in your life today, but what if God is involved? Even if you feel like you're waiting, you feel lost, you feel stuck, what if God is involved in the details? And so the other question is, how can we begin to notice or to see the movement of God? that he is present and he's actually putting some things together that we don't see so that we can eventually recognize that we are in the right place at the right time. Well, I think if we're really going to grab a hold of this bigger picture and have the eyes to see that Jesus talks about in the scriptures, we have to go to the scriptures and we read about people's experiences We read about people who didn't know what God was doing, yet God was at work in their lives. And ultimately, they were able to see that they were in the right place at the right time. I mean, it's the same thing when we look at this this Christmas story of Jesus' birth. I mean, Joseph and Mary, they were in the right place at the right time, even though they had no idea what God was doing in their lives. I mean, they knew something was happening. They knew it was an extraordinary time because angels visited both of them. 
They knew something was going on, that God was doing something. But they had no idea what it was. They were starting to hear that this child would not come through Joseph directly. This was going to be a child born of divine birth, a child that would ultimately be a ruler of all the nations. And that was shocking, extraordinary news for them. Imagine this poor couple. I mean, there were nobodies. And yet God was beginning to do something significant in their life. And so as we pick up that story, the the birth narrative, Mary was very pregnant. I mean, like the baby could come any moment pregnant. And when they, she was that pregnant when they had to make this journey from Galilee all the way down to Bethlehem. Now here's a map. They had to travel over 80 miles. Now think about this. Uh, They were in a caravan. They weren't just on their own. They were probably with a group of people. And they could cover about 10 to 12 miles a day. So you're looking at least a week, probably more, for a pregnant lady walking. Now the guys are like, well, walking? Why couldn't she get on a donkey or a camel? A pregnant lady, nine months? Come on, women, speak up here. On a donkey or a camel? No, she walked that 80 miles in the terrain. Here's a picture of the terrain. Hilly, rocky, difficult. Well, they had to be in Bethlehem because a census had been called for by the emperor. And everyone had to go to their town of origin. They didn't have a choice. They had to be there. This was Joseph's town of origin, Bethlehem. So here's what the text tells us in Luke chapter 2. At that time, the Roman emperor Augustus decreed that a census should be taken throughout the Roman Empire. This was the first census taken by Quirinius, who was the governor of Syria. All returned to their own ancestral towns to register for this census. And because Joseph was a descendant of King David, he had to go to Bethlehem in Judea, David's ancient home. He traveled there from the village of Nazareth in Galilee, and he took with him Mary, his fiancée, who was now obviously pregnant. I love that statement. Well, I mean, at least when they got there, they got to check in at the JW Marriott, right? They got into their room, went out to the Lazy River. Mary had the full spa package, right? No. Because the town was full with everyone returning for this census, I mean, it was flooded. It wasn't a big town, Bethlehem, but it had all these people returning. There was no inn available. And so they checked in at a stable, most likely a cave that housed donkeys and working animals. Nice. I mean, really imagine all those wonderful smells of Christmas that surrounded them. And so it didn't look good. It wasn't easy. It was hard. Yet Mary and Joseph, they were in the right place at the right time. They were exactly where they were supposed to be. Now, they didn't know that. They didn't know what God was doing, but God did. God had them where he wanted them to be. Here's how the text continues. And while they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. She gave birth to her first child, a son named Jesus. She wrapped him snugly in in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no lodging available for them. Now, 
It was an amazing time. They had a sense of God's presence and his activity in their lives. But it wasn't like anything anyone would expect in terms of how this great Savior or Messiah would come into the world, right? I mean, Jesus, he came with the absolute most base humility, living in poverty, the son of a carpenter and this young woman, Mary. It was difficult. There wasn't ease. There wasn't entitlement. There wasn't a throne. There wasn't a palace. Jesus came into the world that way. And Mary and Joseph knew something big was happening, but they had no idea what God was doing. And then Herod, who was the local ruler or leader in that area, he got wind that this special child was being born in Bethlehem. He heard that prophets had talked about this long ago. And he heard that this child that was being born was going going to become the ruler of all of Israel. And so Herod, he felt really good about that. Not really. He heard through these wise men that this child was being born. And he said, oh, go find him and bring the child to me. Why? Because he wanted to execute him. He didn't want any competition. And so they were living in the face of that as well. Here's what we read in Matthew chapter 2 about this prophecy. Now, this was a prophecy that was written 700 years before. And the prophet Micah wrote this. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people, Israel. And so Jesus was born in the right place at the right time, it says the fullness of time, and that's the essence of the text in the, in the Greek words. Jesus came in the fullness of time so that God could invite his people back into relationship where Jesus ultimately would make it right between the people and God, showing the love, grace, and truth of God and being willing ultimately one day to lay down his life so that many, so that you and I could have relationship with God. Now, Mary and Joseph didn't know anything about this. They knew it was extraordinary. They knew God was doing something, but they were just as uncertain about the future as you and I are. I mean, think about their circumstances. So they're getting this message. Herod is after them. And, um, you know, Herod basically, he sent out a, an order that he wanted all the babies, all the kids under, all the baby boys under two years old killed in Bethlehem. So that meant Mary and Joseph had to flee and they went to Egypt. Now imagine this, this young couple, they had nothing. It's not like they had, you know, a, a, you know, a lot of money in the bank to make this trip. They hit the road. They were displaced. They were on the move. They couldn't go back to Galilee. They went to Egypt Joseph probably had to work a number of odd jobs along the way. Mary had to nurse and care for her baby in difficult places. I mean, they probably didn't feel like their new marriage was getting off to that great of a start. It was hard. But they were exactly where God wanted them to be. They were in the right place at the right time, and God was at work. And we see this throughout the scriptures where God is at work behind the scenes, that he has a plan, that he is bringing details together. 
And you know what? As I think about my own life, I want to I see that. I want to be open to what God is doing in my life. And Mary and Joseph wanted that too. They were open. And they just kept taking one step after another as God would, would reveal a little bit more to them. Right? Because there's all kinds of stuff we don't see. We don't understand. We don't know what's going on behind the details or behind the scenes. So when I first met Candace, um, I didn't know if God was involved in our new relationship, our friendship, as she called it. I mean, I wanted it to be more, um, but she said she really didn't like me. I mean, I, I couldn't believe it, but she said, I really don't like, I'm not interested in dating anyone right now, she said. But she kept returning my calls or receiving my calls. So I figured that was a good start. Now, listen to this. So when I first saw Candace in the gym that day, I thought she was an avid fitness person. I mean, I thought she was there, you know, week after week. Well, I later found out that it was like her semi-annual visit. She went like twice a year. That's why I never saw her there again. The night she was waiting tables. So her friend worked at Parrot's. And her friend, for whatever reason that night, she had something else that she wanted to do. And she asked, or it's actually her roommate, she asked Candace, will you fill my shift at, at Parrot's tonight? And Candace is like, I don't work there. What do you mean fill your shift? She's like, it'll be fine. You've waited tables before. You can take my shift. And so she called her boss and asked, hey, can my roommate fill my shift tonight? And he said, sure. So Candace was working there for the first and last time that night at Parrot's when we met. Hmm. Now, I'm not a rocket scientist or anything, but I started to see some connections on how God was at work in our relationship. He was involved. Did we know exactly what God was doing? No, but we were open to what God might be showing us. And even though at first Candace thought she was in the wrong place at the wrong time when she met me, later on we both understand we were in the right place at the right time. And we were both open to what God wanted to do in our lives. And the question for all of us is, is that where you are today? Are you open to what God may be wanting to show you? Are you open to what God might already be doing in your lives? Now, life may be really hard for you. It may be difficult. You may be in a place where you're saying, I'm not happy. I don't want to stay in this place. I don't want to be where I am. But maybe, just maybe, you are exactly where God wants you to be. And he's trying and wanting to show you something. And the question is, are you open to receive that? And some of us might be saying, really? I mean, does, does God is, I mean, God, big, the big God of the universe really has something to say to me. He has something he wants me to see. Or maybe you're saying, well, God showed me something a long, long time ago, but it seems like years since I've experienced anything with God. And the scriptures tell us, yes, God is at work behind the scenes, and he wants to reveal himself to you. So I'd like you to just take a moment. Let's just take a moment together um, and pray. It's just a, a, a time where we can say, hey, God, I am available. 
please begin to show me what you want to do in my life. Give me the strength. Give me the willingness. Give me what I need to be open to what you want to show me. So let's just take a moment. Just take a moment to pray, to ask God. God, we, we do believe that you're present, and we ask that you will speak to us. Speak to us in this moment. Speak to us this afternoon. Show us, show us um, your, your presence through something practical this week. And this really, um, this is where we, we start, right, with an open heart to God. It's the very beginning point of relationship with God. And so I'm asking you, open yourself to what God may want to reveal to you. And that may mean, so typically when we open our heart to God, it means we have to do something as well. Well, you're here, you're in this place, you know, at Rock Hills, Um, you're here in the Rock Hills community, and God's doing some stuff here. And maybe, you know, maybe the step you need to take is just, hey, I'm going to be here for the next few weeks because I believe that God will work through this community. He's going to begin to show me some stuff about my life that I need to know. Um, we're going to have baptism here in a few moments. Um, as a young gal, Erin makes her public declaration of her faith. Uh, it's an exciting time for her. And maybe, maybe that's the step that you're ready to take too. You want to be baptized so that you can declare, yes, I am going to look to Christ and follow Christ. Um, and if you would like to do that today, you can. Um, after I baptize Aaron, we've got time. So if you're ready today, you can just come forward and we'll get you, we'll get you started. Maybe as we talk about impact this month, maybe this is an opportunity for you to financially support water in villages across Honduras. Now, Mark Smith is part of our, uh, of the Rock Hills community, and, um, and there's so many stories of their ministry, and we've sent so many people down into Honduras to be a part of those teams, and it really is an incredible sp- experience. So maybe that's a starting point for you, something to act on, supporting impact. Now, I want to tell you uh, a story from my experience uh, in Honduras with impact. I went back in 2012 on a, a trip, and I mean, it's just a phenomenal experience. And, if, uh, and maybe that's something that God's beginning to tug on your heart this morning, where uh, this next summer, we typically go in July, I don't know what the dates are, but this next summer where you're saying, you know, I want to go there, and I want to be part of that team, bringing water to a village for the first time. Well, I met this guy, Oscar. This was Las Brisas was the village we were in, 
And Oscar was like the primary leader, the, the mayor of this village. And he was an interesting guy. And you could tell his, I mean, the, the gears were really churning um, in, in his, his mind and his heart. You see, Oscar's story was really amazing because it was like two or three years prior, he was with his wife and they went back to her home village in Honduras. I don't know how far away, but it was some distance away from Las Brisas because her dad was ill. He was very sick. And so they went back to the village and there was a team there that was putting clean water into her father's village. Now, Oscar, the immediate need was, we need to get water in our village. And so he talked to Arnaldo, and I think he talked to to Mark, and and Arnaldo just said, it's like, hey, there are thousands of villages across Honduras. He said, we would love to come to your village, but I have no idea whether that's going to happen in the next few years. Um, And so Oscar, you know, he persisted, and then he came back to the village, and he got all the men together, and he said, And he he was just kind of a religious guy. He didn't have a strong faith, but he got everybody together. And he said, we need to pray that God will bring water to our village in Las Brisas. And day after day after day, Oscar prayed. He and his wife prayed. Men of the village prayed. And over two years later, Arnaldo came and said, now's the time. We're going to come to Las Brisas. Now, um, you might think that, oh, wow, Oscar had this incredible experience with God in that moment. And he didn't. He was overjoyed because he knew their lives were going to change. But he was focused on water. But through water came faith for Oscar, where he saw the importance and the significance of Jesus's life, death, and resurrection, and that he was going to commit his life to following Jesus and sharing the good news of Jesus. And so now he's one of the leaders um, in this group of men in Honduras who continues to bring men together as they grow in faith together and share the gift of water, but more importantly, the gift of life in Jesus. Um, Pray with me, please, as we think about that. Lord, Oscar was in the right time, or right place at the right time. And many of us, even though we may be discouraged this morning, we may feel confused, a little bit lost. You're right, or we are right where you want us to be. So Jesus, meet us in this place. May your spirit move us and inspire us and show us the next step. May we be encouraged by other people's stories. May Oscar's story encourage ours as we pursue you. And we pray all this in Christ. Amen.